So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans, I'm Norma Jean. Welcome to Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 20, and today we're talking to Colette Kent, who's an Ayurvedic educator and expert. We've got a toast poem coming at you. Exciting times. If you like the podcast, as usual, please write us a review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Share it with all your friends. Subscribe. Today's show is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer-songwriter, daily doodler. My music's featured here on the podcast. You can see all my cartoons at NJ Loves. That's NJ Lake Norma Jean Loves.com. Also, if you're coming to Bali and you th- you're thinking about Bali Spirit Festival, we've got a code for you. Use the code Stay Wild for the five day spirit pass to get a discount or Stay Wild Abundance for a discount on the full enchilada abundance pass. So, for those of you listening to the podcast, thinking about Bali, hopefully, this is the extra nudge to get you here. So, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Here we go. All right, little humans, we're here with Colette Kent. Colette is an Ayurvedic educator um, and an Ayurvedic cleanse expert. And for those of you at home, Ayurveda is the traditional Hindu, um, from my understanding, it's the traditional Hindu form of how your body works, working with it, and body type. So it's pretty much like the health system um, in India traditionally. And Colette is Irish, and she's a digestive and gut health expert as well. So Colette, welcome. Welcome to Stay Wild. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Norma Jean. It's mm. great to be here. So was my definition right? Can you delve a little bit yes. into what is Ayurveda? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. No, you. That was a great definition. Ayurveda dates back over 5,000 years ago and probably actually older than that because it used to be an oral tradition before it was written down. But anyway, the, the books, the, the written documentation dates back 5,000 years and it's the ancient Indian holistic healthcare system. Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word. It's actually two words translating to the wisdom or science of life. And that's basically what it is. It's about um, understanding your unique physical and mental constitution. And it gives you guidelines in every aspect of your life, not only nutrition, but, um, you know, what climate is best for you, what exercise is best, what your tendencies are, what would send you out of balance. So it's, yeah, it's the manual to life that we never received. And it's... um this ancient wisdom, which is as relevant today as ever. Oh, I like that. The manual of life (laughs) that we never received. That makes so much Mm -hmm. sense. Because a lot of the time, you know, when we go back to um, natural health and stuff, you think, oh, well, this is so intuitive, right? Like, why didn't I think of this, right? You know, I think there's there's a graphic that's been circling online where it's like, you know, eat this root, don't eat this root, uh, do this other thing, do this other thing, no, take this medicine, no, don't take this medicine, eat the root, and it's like a circle, right? So a lot of the time, I think in in the West, we're all coming back to these traditional natural systems that have been in place for thousands of years. Yeah, and you know, modern science is agreeing now with what Ayurveda knew thousands of years ago in that Ayurveda really focuses on digestive health. And now modern science is saying, yes, gut health is paramount to our overall health. And I love Ayurveda because it's very logical. It's natural. Um, and it's just, it makes sense. It's just this innate wisdom. And we already have the instinct in our bodies. We just need to be reminded and also given the confidence and empowered to listen to our bodies more. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So mm. 
I want to talk about what Ayurveda is and delve into that. But first, I want to talk a little bit about your story because you're not from India. <laughs> no, no. You're Irish. I'm Irish, yes. So yes. how did you first learn about Ayurveda? And then how did you um, come into teaching it and really gaining that knowledge base? Right. I grew up in Ireland and then traveled a bit and ended up basically in the health and fitness field. And we had a studio in France, a yoga and fitness studio, was living a very active life, mm. athletes and uh, really pushing hard on the athletics and, and eating well, or so I thought. But however, due to all my healthy in air quotes, uh, lifestyle, my health was not in a good place. Um, I was feeling very, very exhausted. Um, my menstrual cycle stopped. I was having lots of uh, dizziness, lightheadedness. Um, and, you know, I felt I was in a place where I was training clients. I was teaching classes. I had private clients and I felt like I was wasn't even in touch with my own health. So how could I teach them about their health? Um, so, you know, in my ignorance, I thought I was doing everything right, but I decided I wanted to take some time out and see what was going on with my health, first of all, and then kind of hit the reset button. And that's where I went uh, traveling. I took some time out because uh, I was just exhausted, went traveling, ended up in Bali mm. and was seeking a really uh, deep cleanse, not just like a, a juice cleanse or something like that. And then I was told uh, to go see Dr. Sujata Kakada, who has an Ayurvedic healing center in Ubud in Bali. I went there and did, was recommended to do the Panchakarma, which is a three week cleanse cellular cleanse mm. and it was yeah, real quickly for those of you at home can you talk a little about what a little bit about what is a pancha karma because i have a couple of friends that have done it and it's like a complete overhaul right it's like you're Absolutely. gutting the house Absolutely. Yeah. It's completely down to the cleaning out the cells, the body. Pancha means five. So there's, it's five methods. And basically you start with a, you know, consultation with a doctor and the doctor recommends all these different treatments for you. There's a lot of oil involved and oiling the body to pull out the toxins, both physical and emotional. And then there's, um, a lot of, you know, mindfulness practices that go along with that as well, as well as a certain diet of a whole food diet that's very simple. And, um, and yeah, it really pulls out the, those stubborn, fat-soluble toxins from a cellular level. But because it's a three-week process, um, it's, it's quite deep and profound. And that's definitely, I had heard about Ayurveda in early 2000s when I did my yoga training, but I always thought of it as a, you know, the doshas. Mm -hmm. But when I experienced this panchakarma, it's when things really started clicking for me. And I had a lot of light bulb moments about my own health and why I was in a, such a bad state because basically I was doing the wrong things for my particular constitution. Yeah. And that, you know, that experience changed my life personally and professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's so interesting because, you know, a lot of the time in the West, we're told that this is for this and that is for that. And this is good for you. Right. But there's a lack of, I mean, I've found there's a general lack of acceptance of human variation. <laughs> Absol absolutely. Yeah. Human and variation. I, right. We're not all the same. We're not um, all the same. <laughs> Ayurveda treats everyone as an individual and there's definitely no one size fits all in Ayurveda. That's why every process starts in Ayurveda starts with 
a private consultation yeah, to determine your unique constitution and your unique imbalances and then take it from there. Yes, and that's why, yeah. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And when, I mean, when you think mm-hmm. about it, we've had a lot of yoga teachers come on the show and talk about human variation. And, you know, some people have extra vertebrae in their spine and some people, you know, bodies are different. So right. I definitely want to delve into that in a little bit. But you came to Bali, you came to this clinic, you had the panchakarma. How'd that go for mm-hmm. you? Oh, it was amazing. It was, it was, I felt like I was in a little cocoon for three weeks and I could really just let go and just kind of let the healing happen. And so it definitely wasn't, you know, a tourist, a tourist thing. You just had to kind of stay in the center and be with the process and kind of, because like I said, it's not only a physical cleanse, but there's also emotional. So you may have some emotional stuff come up. And you get lots of treatments along the way. You have, you have a full schedule of daily treatments, which is wonderful too. And yeah, it, I, like I said, it, it was a really pivot point in my life. It really changed a lot of things. I had a lot of clarity after the cleanse. My intuition was very strong. Mm. And, um, that was the biggest thing for me. I could, I, I, it was like the fog was lifted and I could really see things clearly. And for the first time in my life, I understood myself. I, for the first time, I understood my unique physical and mental constitution and what was best for me in life. Mm. So that was, like, yeah, huge. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're in the rice fields. I'm I'm talking to Colette. Colette actually learned uh, and had her first experience with Ayurveda in Bali, uh, but she's in the States, and I'm talking to Colette from Bali. So if you hear dogs barking, rice field motorbikes, it's on my end, guys, and I hope it helps bring you to Bali and, and bring there you here you with us. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So you have this amazing experience. You You really, I mean, a lot of people, even if it's when they first address things like diet and um, really changing the mindset around, oh, I can't change my diet or, oh, I need to have this food. It's really mm-hmm. interesting what happens and, and how a lot of clarity and, and you move through stuff. I think a lot of blocks right. emotionally. So you did the panchakarma and then mm-hmm. what happened? You changed your life. Um, how'd you, how'd you be like, okay, I'm doing this world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to take this Ayurveda and, you know, I'm going to add this to what I already know because obviously mm. I was missing something all those years and Ayurveda was it mm. for me. So then I ended up staying at the center and teaching yoga and I started working with Dr. Sujata and I stayed there for a year. Um, because I wanted to study with her and I wanted to experience more about Ayurveda and learn more. Mm -hmm. So I stayed in Bali for a year working with a doctor and I studied Ayurveda online while I was doing that Mm. with Kerala Ayurveda Academy. Yeah. So it was a really great opportunity and I was just ready to soak it all up. Yeah. And for those of you at home who, who aren't sure, Kerala is a, it's like a state in India. It's in the South, uh, Southwest. And that's where Ayurveda, I believe that's where Ayurveda is from. Is that right? Yeah, it's like there's, yeah, it's definitely the home of Ayurveda. There's a huge Ayurvedic community there. Yeah. Mm, Amazing. So Mm. you joined a course, you delved in, you're like, I'm learning this information. You were in Bali for a year working at the clinic with Dr. Sujata. And then where did your journey progress from there? And then I was following my intuition because it was so clear. Mm. <laughs> and I went, uh, yeah, I ended up in Encinitas in just north of San Diego in California. And it's funny, it's kind of, it's similar 
to Ubud in that it's it's a real energy vortex here as well. Yeah, get, I've been to Encinitas before. It's fun. Oh, you have? Yeah, I'm yeah. from LA. <laughs> okay, okay. So it, Encinitas is, um, I guess it has the most yoga studios per square mile or something or square meter. Uh, but yeah, it's got a lot of yoga studios in the area. It's also got the Self-Realization Fellowship here. So there's, it's a great, it's a great town. So I've been here for two and a half years now. Wow. What's the Self-Realization mm-hmm. Fellowship? What's that? The self, um, Yogananda brought uh, yoga to the West and he set up a, a Self-Realization Fellowship in LA. And then he has another one here in Oh, got it. Okay. So it's, it's part of the Yogananda. Awesome. Exactly. Okay, cool. And for those of you at home who, who aren't really sure, Yogananda was a yoga teacher. I think one of the first that came and helped absolutely share yoga into the West. So yeah, I want to talk a little, sorry. Sorry. Here's the famous book, Autobiography of a Yogi as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that's a really good reference for those of you at home who are like wanting to read about yoga and you're like, what's this? It's a great book. So Colette, I want to talk about what is Ayurveda and what are the body types or doshas? What's best for them? Let's get into it. Let's cover it all. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm like a Ayurveda. I love Ayurveda. I think it's so interesting because, you know, when you actually look at people's bodies, there's a lot of human variation and you wonder, right? Like everything's not the best for everyone and, and things affect people differently. So it's great that Ayurveda has been around for so long and can really classify things to help people yeah. work with it. Absolutely. It just, yeah, it opens up the doors of possibilities when you understand your constitution. So Ayurveda, it's, like I said, it's a holistic approach to healing and it's really teaching us that the body, the mind, and the soul need to be in balance in order to have optimal health. Yeah. And we really need to look at each aspect. So, Ayurveda is found on the premise that the very same elements that make up everything in the natural world make up our body, the five elements, and that's air, space, fire, water, and earth. And those five elements go into form form what's called three doshas. And the doshas are just the energies behind the functions of the body. They're in, in the Western medicine, we think of, you know, the organs and the tissues and the bones. So the doshas are just energies. And those are vata, pitta, and kapha. And vata is made up of the space and air elements. Pitta is made up of fire and water. And then kapha is made up of water and earth. And so I can go into talking about those and their characteristics, if you wish. Yeah. I want to, I okay. mean, because I'm queen of kapha over here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I've had, some, I've had some, like, Ayurvedic Indian friends be like, yeah, your, your, your Hindu god is Ganesha. Like, <laughs> 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 Lovely kaphas. Well, there's kaphas of the soul to the earth. Um, so let's, well, we'll start with kapha, actually. So kapha is made up of water and earth, like I said. And if you think of the water and earth element, it's very heavy. It's almost like a clay. So kapha people tend to be very grounded. Um, the kapha energy is the en- energy of construction and lubrication in the body. It's, it's responsible for building the tissues of the body. So for the characteristics of a kapha person, they tend to be well-built, um, round features like a round face round eyes and they're just natural cares they're very happy-go-lucky easygoing people Uh, they tend to be great listeners rather than talkers and they just have a very steady pace about them a very grounded you know mother earth type way about them and they when a kapha person gets out of balance 
their body may get a little heavier as well as their mind. So they may experience like things like a foggy mind or weight gain or just maybe feeling a little uh, lethargic, have a hard time firing themselves to do things, maybe withdrawing a little bit from social events or society, maybe getting a little bit more possessive of people or things. That's when they're imbalanced. Um, but when they're thriving, their natural cares, like I said, happy-go-lucky, their motto would be, you know, can we not, can we all just get along? You know, they would just, just want everyone to be happy, basically. Yeah, it's so interesting. There's like an attachment there. So it's like when you don't yes. get enough of what you need, you you yeah. get grabby. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, it's it's that that water and earth together. It's that construction and that yeah, it's that need to hold on to things. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, and so there is Sorry? Mm, that's kapha. Okay, <laughs> no, you're that's okay. kapha. That's kapha. Now, before I go on, I should say that the three we each have some of the three doshas within our body, we have different ratios. Yes. Some maybe have dominant of two or three. Okay. There's, you know, very few times there's just one dominant, but we each have a, a different ratio. And before I forget to say it, that the doshas are determined at conception. You get them from your parents and they don't change throughout your life. So your dosha stays the same, but they'll go in and out of balance for various reasons. That so makes just a to, lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. basically like, what your constitution is, right? Like, here's what you're working with. And then once, right. once you figure out what you're working with, then you can work with it. I made a cartoon about that, but yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I love your cartoon. Oh, thanks. Okay. So that's, so that's Kapha. Okay. Now we have Pitta. So Pitta is, has the elements of fire and water and it's the energy of transformation, conversion, and digestion. So you can imagine Pitta is like the go-getter. Pitta, People tend to be um, just a medium build. Uh, they tend to have sharp features, like they may have a sharp, intense eyes, sharp chin, like chisel features, maybe a, a pointed nose. So that's what they'll look like physically. And then there tend to be great leaders, speakers, very much speaking to the point. They don't really like to beat around the bush and chit chat. <laughs> they have things to do. Uh, they tend to be more like a type A personality. They love spreadsheets, making a list, getting things done, um, very focused. They have a goal and their mind is set on that goal, very determined, very competitive by nature too. So when a pitta person goes out of balance, they go too much into that competitiveness, too, too driven. So they can really push themselves too much, which is what I did in my sports, right? Though so mm. that's exactly what happened to my body is that they become too intense about things, uh, whether it's work or sport or whatever, they, everything is, is competitive to them. And so they will experience a lot of heat in the body because they're already made up of this fire energy. So they'll experience more heat, a lot of inflammation. There may be a lot of, you know, loose bowel movements, maybe diarrhea, um, a lot of intestinal problems. It could be IBS, things like that with the inflammation. They may have be irritable. They may have hot flashes, um, a lot of skin irritations, basically anything that's angry and heated. That's a sign of excess pitta in the body. Um, like I said, like any rashes, anything like that, light sensitivity, headaches, anything sharp, sharp migraines, all that would be pitta related. Too much heat in the body. So for pitta, they need to learn to have more moderation, more cool down, you know, just to kind of chill out a little bit more. Not everything has to be so competitive. Okay. And, and that's the, what I learned. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's hard, you know, and especially especially a lot of the time well, yeah. in the West, right? We're taught to go, go, go and succeed and earn and win. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot oh, yeah. of the time culture plays into that as well. Absolutely. When I used to teach my classes at the, you know, the gym, I'd be like, okay, let's go push. And, you know, I could feel unbeknownst to, to myself then, cause I didn't really know about pit. I could feel that heat, that energy rise in my body. But, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing, pushing myself too hard. <laughs> mm. Okay. So that's Pitta. We've covered Pitta. Kapha and Pitta. And uh-huh. next mm. is drum roll. Vata. 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 There you go. It's made up of space and air. And Vata is, it's like the wind in nature. It's the energy of action, movement, and transportation. So really, Vata is the king of the doshas. Without Vata, not a lot would happen because it's responsible for all movement in our body, responsible for our speech, like the, the movement of the air in our vocal cords, our blood circulation, our, you know, um, birth, giving birth to a baby, all that. Everything is assimilation of food. That's all vata. So a vata person will either be the characteristics will be they're either long and lean or small and petite, uh, very small frame. They may have prominent joints. And there's a lot of variability in the vata character. They may have, you know, too many or too few teeth. They may have gaps in their teeth. They may have a deviated septum. So any variability in the body, that's a real sign of vata. They tend to have like a thin, dry, brittle hair. Um, a lot of dryness as well. If we think of the vatas like the wind in nature, that can lead to a lot of dryness in the body. Um, these types of people are, because they're made up of air and space, you can imagine they're very much up in their minds, right? They, they have a very t- hard time being grounded. So they're very creative. They tend to be dancers, painters, poets, anything to do with creativity. That's a, a vata. Uh, sign of a vata dosha now when a vata person is out of balance well first of all let's see how they go out of balance it's basically if there's too much dryness or too in the diet or in the environment and too much movement that causes them to go out of balance so if they're traveling a lot if they have a a really irregular schedule uh, they have no routine in their life that will cause a vata person to go out of balance and when they're out of balance it will need to lead to dryness in the body that could be dry hair, skin, nails, dry stool. So constipation is a real sign of a vata imbalance. They could have a lot of anxiety or mind spinning or nervousness, fear. That's all of a sign of uh, vata imbalance. And so in order to calm that vata, we need to bring in the opposite so that instead of the dryness bring in some good fats good oils or oiling the body with massage things like that grounding the body with grounding cooked foods and grounding practices like mindfulness techniques like uh, yoga and meditation and breath work uh, so vata needs to be grounded a lot okay. so that's a brief brief synopsis of all three but like i said everybody has a different ratio of those three doshas. Yeah. So it's about, you know, first of all, you have a consultation with an Ayurvedic practitioner or to figure out what your dosha is to determine your dosha. And then that's, that's the beginning of your self study, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 
What I find is so interesting is that not only is it about, you know, the physical aspects of the body and the energies associated with them, but a lot of it is emotional state, right? Like That's- if you're kapha and you're really grounded, it's really easy to feel stuck. Or if yes. you're vata and you're, you know, in your head a lot, it's really easy mm-hmm. to have anxiety about things. Sure. And, you know, oh. I, I, and I've, I've heard that everyone has all three in them, but it's all about the balance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's reassuring for people to know that, you know, if their tendency is towards, you know, depression or brain fog or irritability or, you know, being overcritical, overanalytical for pitta, or if you're a vata who tends to get really a lot of anxiety, nervousness, there is, you know, there's some comfort in knowing that, oh, it's just an imbalance in my dosha. And I just need to know how to bring myself back into balance and I don't have to suffer. So it's all about being in balance so that you can flow with nature rather than going against it and suffering. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't have to be personal. It can just be like, Hey, maybe I need to eat some more spicy food or Hey, maybe I need to ground in and eat some, you know, cooked hearty food um, or whatever it is. So I want to talk a little bit about what foods are generally good for each dosha and climate? Because I live in Bali and mm-hmm. I'm kapha and the wet humidity is a lot of the time not my friend, not to make it about me, but I, I want to talk about no, the climates of different doshas mm-hmm. um, and yeah. how that really affects your constitution and how you feel. Sure. Well, I'm pitta kapha. I have a lot of kapha as well. And definitely the moisture in Bali didn't suit my constitution. Mm. I felt I was retaining water like... <laughs> nobody's business there so the climates for each dosha well let's say there's a very simple ayurvedic principle that's used in all the healing is like increases like and opposites balance so if vata's tendency is to to be dry a moist climate humid climate like bali would be perfect for vata so vata wants you know a moist climate somewhere that's warm because they tend to be cold by nature so that would suit vata for pitta a cooler climate pitta is already hot by nature so a, a cooler more temperate climate would be best for pitta and then for kapha while there's a lot of moisture there they also tend to run cold so a warm dry climate uh, like a more desert climate is best for for kapha and the foods you asked me also mm. so for vata we said vata can get very a person with high vata constitution can get very ungrounded so it's all about grounding so foods will be anything that comes from the earth root vegetables sauces stews if you, you should look at your plate and it should look moist and heavy it looks like it's going to be heavy in your body things like pasta obviously good quality you know pasta um things that are like I said, moist, have sauces, the healthy comfort foods, okay. that would be good for Yeah, like for mashed vata. potatoes or dal yeah, or... exactly. Um, okay. Sweet so- potatoes, things like that. Um, yeah, you should look at your plate of food and it should be heavy. You definitely want to, for Vata, wants to avoid thing, light things like dry crackers or popcorn, things like sprouts. They're too light. They will increase that, that light value in your body, the light quality, and may lead to more lightheadedness, nervousness, anxiety. Mm. So then moving on to Pitta, and again, like increases like, opposites balance. Pitta is hot by nature, so we need a lot of cooling foods. So the great things for Pitta are coconut, coconut water, cilantro is naturally cooling. Um, What else? Aloe vera is great because of the skin health for Pitta, because a lot of irritations show up in the skin. 
Mm. Fennel is great. Things like peppermint, mint also they're all great mm. um and temperature wise cooler as well like because in the morning you know my kapha body wants hot food right or it wants to mm. move and heat up but for pitta people sometimes they need like fruit yeah a pitta digestion is very strong we said that and like pitta is the energy of digestion conversion mm. so pitta has the strongest digestive system so they could handle some you know like a smoothie at room temperature in the morning. Ayurveda doesn't recommend any cool, cold foods okay. or ice because that just douses the digestive fire. Okay. So if you're drinking ice drinks or eating cold foods, it's dousing the digestive fire. So the food is sitting there waiting to be digested and your your body has to heat up first before it can even digest the food. So that can create a lot of toxins while that food is sitting there waiting for the digestive fire to be to be rekindled to warm and it up. yeah yeah exactly so for pitta eating things at room temperature pitta pitta dominant dosha probably doesn't like things that are extra hot uh definitely staying away from anything spicy oily or salty for pitta because that will just increase the pitta's qualities uh so all those things i mentioned for pitta and ayurveda always recommends more cooked foods than raw okay pitta is the only one that could probably get away with eating you know raw foods but definitely in if you're in a cold climate always eating cooked foods it's just more easy digestible for the body vata should stay away from raw it's not great for a vata constitution because their digestion is irregular mm. so yeah. And then we have kapha. Uh, so for kapha, again, we said kapha was a heavier dosha, more stagnant. So lighter foods are best for kapha, cooked foods, uh, things that are easy digestible because the digestion is tends to be a little slower in kapha. Uh, so staying, definitely staying away from the comfort foods. They're not good for kapha, unfortunately. Uh, even though Kafa loves comfort foods. Yes, uh, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so for Kafa, it's important to wait until you feel the real signs of hunger because Kafa gets a lot of comfort out of eating. So waiting until you really feel that sign of hunger rather than going with what the clock says and then eating smaller, lighter meals and favoring more bitter tastes like leafy green vegetables. You Kafa uh, can use all the spices. In fact, they're great for Kafa because spices are for the most part are heating for the body uh, so this really helps with the the sluggish kapha digestive fire and when you say spices you mean like spicy food or do you mean like spices in india like curry and coriander and um right okay mm -hmm. yeah so it would be yeah absolutely black pepper cayenne chili garlic ginger onions all those are great for kapha um, anything that's heating, all, you know, nutmeg, cinnamon, all those would be great. For pitta, very few spices are okay for pitta because, like I said, most of them are heating, but pitta could use cardamom, cilantro, uh, coriander, which is the seed of, cilan of cilantro, fennel seeds, and mint. And then for uh, vata, vata can use most spices because it, it will help get the digestive, the irregular digestive system of vata going, mm. but stay away from the really heating spices, um, the really pungent ones. Uh, so use more of the milder ones like ginger and black pepper would be better. Okay. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And how does dairy factor into that? Right. Well, Ayurveda uses ghee, excuse me, a lot in the cooking. Okay. Ghee is clarified butter. 
and but it's used it, it's used in all Indian cooking actually and we use it in the cleanses as well and ghee is butter with the milk solids removed okay, okay. so it does it's just the the pure the pure butter um, so Ayurveda uses that a lot and Ayurveda recommends good quality dairy for vata for kapha it's not good yeah um, now I personally don't recommend dairy too much. I, I use ghee and I recommend that to, to clients. And again, it's on an individual basis, but I think dairy, the way it's, you know, produced nowadays in the West is very hard for our body to digest. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense because, you know, traditionally in India, you eat yogurt with a lot of things and, and I just wonder how that factors into stuff. But a lot of the time, the way that dairy is produced in the West isn't it's just not the same quality because you're not getting no. that small cow and you know what it ate and everything. So Right, exactly, exactly. So I think people have to be mindful of where they're sourced their dairy from. And um, yeah, and then you, using, if you are using cheeses, using easy digestible ones like goat or sheep. But uh, yeah, it's, the ghee though is very good. The ghee is amazing for the body and for the digestive system. Yeah, it's interesting because in the West, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're taught a lot of the time that we should stay away from fats and oils. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is a problem because we went through, you know, the eighties with the dog no on fat. my end. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Lots of Bali dogs around. I remember that from living there. <laughs> yep, yep. That's all right. Yeah, so um, I lost my train of thought. What um, was I saying so about? So ghee and eating fats in ghee. the West. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. Never a dull moment on Stay Wild. <laughs> oh, no. It's life. It's no big deal. So we went through, you know, the 80s with the no fat, low fat, all of that, um, which is terrible now, we know, because because when they take out the fat, they introduce more chemicals. And sugar. Um, more sugar. And sugar, exactly. So Ayurveda recommends fat, recommends good quality oils. And in fact, like I said, the ghee, why it's so good for the digestive system and for our gut health is because ghee essentially makes the same butyric acid as our gut bacteria. And that the body instantly recognizes it, knows exactly what to do with it. And that's what it comes down to really is that simple thing is, does my, is this food I'm eating made with natural ingredients? You know, we're made up, like I said at the start, the same five elements as everything in the natural world. But if your food is something synthetic in it, your body doesn't know what to do with it. It treats it like a toxin and then the liver becomes overloaded. And that's when it leads to problems, you know, is this processed junk food that we have today. So it's all about getting back to basics, thinking back up with the natural rhythms, you know, respecting the laws of nature. Yeah. and, um, And getting back to basics, cooking more at home. Yeah. Going to your farmer's market, finding out what's in the season. Mm, and how does alcohol play into that in terms of toxins? Because alcohol is part of the natural world, right? Sure. Yeah. For uh, alcohol, is there's, al- there's Ayurvedic wines, actually, that are made. So, oh. yeah. What, how is that different from regular wine? Um, I'm not completely sure of the processing of it, actually. Okay. For those I, of you I out there, know. this is a Google. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I don't know how it's processed okay. differently. I'm sure there's a lot of, obviously, you know, holistic practices that go into it or organic practices, but I don't know. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, so alcohol, yeah, is they, they have recommendations for alcohol for for pitta. For example, wine is too intense, so a cool beer in summer is okay. Uh, for cough, uh, it tends to be you know something more like the drier wines is okay. And um, this for vata because vata tends to get overstimulated, the alcohol is not really recommended too much. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right, well, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and talk to Colette, see if she has any tips for you guys and um, stay with us. Exciting news, little humans. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I make all my art, music, daily doodle cartoons, which you can see on my website, NJ Loves. That's NJ like NormaJeanLoves.com. We've also teamed up with Bali Spirit Festival. It's been mentioned a few times on the podcast, and some of the guests are going to present there. Levi Banner, Nadine McNeil, Awahoshi. It's April 2nd through 8th, 2018. And we've teamed up with them to offer you guys a discount to come to Bali and come to Bali Spirit Festival. So hopefully it's that extra little push to get you over here. Use the code STAYWILD for $40 off the five-day spirit pass or Stay Wild Abundance for $50 off the full enchilada abundance pass. So hopefully for, for those of you that are listening to the podcast and really resonating with the content, with the guests, with the spirit of Bali, it'll help get you here to Bali to meet some of the people that have come on the podcast and really join the spirit of what we're doing. If you do like the podcast, as usual, please subscribe, write us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, share the show with your friends. It's available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and also Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. So, you know, every time you hear a bell, an angel gets its wings, (laughs) and every time you write a review and share the show, other people are able to find it. It moves us up in the rankings. So hopefully in the, in the algorithm. So hopefully. Hopefully, um, more people will find the show and can share in all of these amazing stories and journeys and niche expertise. So I hope you're enjoying today's episode and let's get back to it. All right, little humans, we're back today with Colette Kent, who's an Ayurvedic educator, Ayurvedic cleanse expert. Um, and she's been talking about the doshas in Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is the traditional uh, Hindu or Indian medical system and system of bodies. And doshas are the different constitutions. So, Colette, take it away. Okay, yes. Like Norma Jean said, Ayurveda is the ancient holistic Indian science of life or wisdom of life. So I want you to give some tips for each of the doshas that we're just speaking about. So the biggest thing that a vata person high with a high vata constitution could do is to establish a great routine of daily practices, eating at regular meals, regular times. For pitta, it will be more moderation, less competition. We talked about how pitta can get overheated. And then for cough, it will be more movement. So just to combat that that sluggish or that stagnation to get up and moving a little bit more and more activity and variety in your day. I also have a recommendation for everybody to eat more of a soul food diet and that would be seasonal 
organic, unprocessed and local. And the best way you can do that is check out your local farmers market and support those local farmers who are working so hard to bring us great produce. And, you know, we're lessening our carbon footprint. We also find out what's in season and that's great to eat in accordance with the seasons. And, you know, just check in there. You'll instantly know what's in season and then cooking the food so it's more easy digestible as well. If you're interested in finding out more about your dosha, I do have a free ebook on my website and you can download that. And in there, I have a dosha quiz. And if you're interested in chit-chatting with me further, I'd love to offer you a free 30-minute online consultation. We can do by Skype or FaceTime or phone. And, you know, you could do the dosha quiz in the ebook, and then we can chat a little bit and I can give you some tips just for you. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Colette. I think it's one of those things where, you know, we always think, you know, when we hear things about different body types and how to work with them, we always think, oh, what's ours? <laughs> yes, and for yes. those of you who don't know what Ayurveda is, or this is the first time you've heard about it, but you're like, oh, I want to know more. And what's my body constitution? And, and what are the tools and things I can do to work with it in accordance with the system that's been around for like 5,000 years? So mm. that's awesome. Thank you so much, Colette. My pleasure. Absolutely. So we'll have all of her links in the show notes. And uh, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Norma Jean. It was a real pleasure. All right, little humans, I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Lindsay Dam. I really appreciated it. And uh, here's today's toast poem. It's a little bit related, you know, as they always are. Sometimes, you know, there's things that are kind of reminiscent of, of topics brought up in the interview. Um, but I wrote this poem about um, that soft feminine energy. So hopefully it, it connects a little bit and resonates. Here we go. Coming. He's coming. Foretold by the breeze whispering to me on cool afternoons. The partner, the lover, searching for me as I hail you with intention. Never chasing, full, feminine, beguiling in existence. That is more than enough. The woman doesn't need to try. The woman needs to be. Anything more than that is stomping on a field of daisies. A purposeful Roman army pushing, fighting, hard. The woman is soft. She calls the man not with screams or demands, but whispers, whispers like the breeze that announces your arrival, whispers on the breeze that say he's coming. All right, little humans, that was today's show. Thanks again to Colette Kent. Big thanks for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed today's toast poem written by me, an original poem as usual. If you like the podcast, I'm sure you're tired of hearing it, but please share it with your friends. Subscribe, write us a review. Today's show is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer, songwriter, daily doodler. My music's featured here on the podcast. You can see all my cartoons, all the shenanigans at NJ Loves. That's NJ, like NormaJeanLoves.com. And if you are thinking about Bali and we can give you that extra nudge to get here. Use the code STAYWILD for the five-day spirit pass to come to Bali Spirit Festival, which has been mentioned a few times on the podcast, 
or the code STAYWILDABUNDANCE for the full enchilada abundance pass. So hopefully for those of you that have been listening to the podcast thinking, oh my gosh, Bali Spirit Festival, it's the first week in April. Check it out. Come meet a lot of people that have been on the podcast. It just happens to be a coincidence because Ubud is one of those cosmic synchronicity places. So I'm so lucky that we got to team up with them. And hopefully you enjoyed today's show. Until next time, little humans, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.